Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And my goodness, I can't believe it. We are already in the new year. So happy 2023. And also this episode is special because this is actually episode 200, and I just can't believe that it's been this many episodes, and I've been doing this podcast since March of 2020, and so pretty much three years ago was when this whole journey began, and some of you may have even listened to me uh, with a former podcast that I had, Young and Ambitious, that was in 2019, so holy crap, I'm like scratching my head right now. That was four years ago. Huh. Okay, sorry guys. I just had a moment of realizing that I graduated from college nearly four years ago. So this May, it will be four years since I graduated from college. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of in a shock mode from saying that out loud. But anyways, Today and for the first month and first episode of the year, I felt like it would be helpful to share with you guys what my approach is for this upcoming new year because I know this time of year there's a lot of people that make content and talk about habits and things you can do in the new year and I'm all about them and whatever aligns with you, I think it's very important to connect with that and feel that and implement some of those things that do align with you. But for those of you who are feeling a bit stuck and maybe you are just unsure of where to begin because sometimes it feels overwhelming to think about how you're going to approach the new year, 
this approach that I will share today may be helpful for you because I think of it as practical and also mindful. And to backtrack it a bit, this actually stemmed from a conversation at New Year's Eve where two girlfriends of mine, they had asked me, you know, what's a question, you know, or I think it was something about like a topic. I'm known to be always starting deep conversations with my friends and they were kind of like, you know, what's a question that you have, uh, you know, before the end of the year? And I said, I would like to know what is everyone's intention, not for the new year, but rather for January, for the upcoming month. In other words, narrowing it down to something in close proximity, which makes it more practical, and also being able to step into that energy a bit faster because of how soon it is. So, you know, I think sometimes when we think of the full year, we're like, oh my gosh, we have this 12 months and uh, and sometimes even that feels like unpractical because you're like, oh, January is just a new month, right? So sometimes you're, you're too focused on the big picture instead of just the next step. And so that's why today I am sharing with you what I'm thinking about in this first month. And that really comes down to setting an intention and being aware of it so like i said start with the first month not the 12 months so let's focus on january i will go ahead and just share from my example because maybe this will help give you ideas and maybe just allow you to kind of see how i'm framing it in my mind so for january my personal intention is to continue and maintain loving communication. Loving communication is something that I really heavily adopted through the readings and findings I've had of mindfulness from Thich Nhat Hanh, who I've mentioned quite a few times now in the recent months. So if you have been a long-time listener, you probably are aware like, okay, Emily has been really on this mindfulness journey and that is very true. I have and it has been insanely impactful for me just as stoicism was very impactful for me when I adopted that back in like mid late 2017 going into 2018 that was when I really honed down on stoicism which enabled me to not be reactive and controlled by emotion by my emotions and again um, everything's on a spectrum but I I find that approach to have been very helpful for me because I don't at least majority of the time, don't get overreactive when something or someone, uh, you know, says something to me or something drastic happens. I really try to allow myself to neutralize it. So anyways, I won't get into stoicism, but that's what stoicism has allowed me to do is to not be so crazy fucking reactive to my emotions, which I think I I had a bit of... Um, from my late teens through probably up until I was like, yeah, 20 or 21. And that's probably just from learned behavior or observed behavior from somewhere in my family or just somewhere in my upbringing. You know, I think that's kind of a given. <laughs> you you learn behavior through what you see, what you observe, um, especially when it's people around you constantly, which is often your family. So anyways, over the past six months, I adopted mindfulness. And it's, it came about in, in a very, um, you know, interesting way. I honestly forget 
where it initially came from. All I can vividly remember is that one day I, I came home after doing a day of coffee shop work and I was like, I need to go pick up a book from Thich Um And then I went to the bookstore down the street and ended up bringing home three books and read through them and was like, wow, this is powerful. And it just resonated with me. And so it's one of those things where I don't blame people if it just doesn't resonate with you yet because that might, it might not click for you. But I will say there was a seed already planted in me when it comes to loving frequency and loving vibration, which I talked about with Elia on episode 199. So the last episode of the year of 2022, he had talked to me about just being a loving being, you know, like, like just, just the energy of love stepping into that. We talked about this in mid-2021, right before I moved to New York, and that was a seed already planted in my thoughts, but it really, really clicked for me once I picked up mindfulness because while I understood the benefits of being just an energy of love and stepping into that every single day, I don't think I really knew how to, though, even though there is no progression towards it but I just like I there was a little bit of a block for me you know I think I had 80% of it but the last 20% really came to me when I picked up mindfulness because something that I learned in this teaching is that we all suffer that's something we know but in order to love one another we also have to be able to understand the person. So I guess on a one-on-one basis, you know, let's say it's with a parent or and yourself or with, maybe it's like with a partner or a friend, right? And you are upset at one another, but also recognizing and understanding that they are suffering in some way. And when you step into this feeling of, I understand you suffer and I may have caused some of it. You suddenly just naturally tap into this compassion awareness. And so that for me was kind of like the big aha moment because I realized that the root of love is understanding and compassion for one another and empathy, of course. Like I think that's all kind of, um, you know, synonyms of one another to some degree. And that allowed me to go, oh, if I, instead of jumping to conclusions or instead of believing in wrong perceptions, so again, believing in some conclusions I draw, right? And again, I think this this goes in, in all different areas of life. Instead of jumping to those, I can ask questions to get clarity I can practice really trying to step into the shoes of the other person not to feel the same feelings necessarily but this is my interpretation again but to rather like try as best possible to deeply understand even though there's no way to 100% feel it but to get as closely as possible because I think When you do that, when you pause and you actually 
try your deepest, hardest, best to understand someone, especially when you deeply disagree with them, you suddenly just have compassion because you go, you know, they are human, right? Like they also suffer and feel the same things that I feel. And therefore, I just, I love them for that because they are human and that's okay. And I I basically just simplified it at the end there. But to round that out, the reason why my intention is focused on loving communication is because that has been a huge practice of mine towards the end of this year. I want to enable it. I want to increase that and practice it more. I think it's a great place to start for the new year, especially because my priorities revolve around cultivating and maintaining meaningful relationships with people around me. And so through loving communication, I also subconsciously remind myself because I set this intention for the month, for the next 30 days, I'm like, okay, the question is how? How do I practice loving communication? Well, I must be present, so in the moment. I must be at peace. And I also must be feeling a sense of compassion to communicate with someone. So if I'm not in that state, if I'm agitated or deep in my emotions, then I need to step back and cool the flames a bit. And again, I won't dive uh, too much into some of the books that I read on this, but there's just a lot of great ways to go about this and I have and I will actually dive into book recommendations at the end of this but um, if you are interested just I highly recommend uh, start out maybe with True Love by Thich Nhat Hanh it's a practice for awakening the heart and also I really enjoyed Anger by Thich Nhat Hanh which is wisdom for cooling the flames and I really really like that and one way to get present you guys something that if you already practice yoga or meditation, this is probably, you know, not novel information for you. But I I will preface, I don't currently practice meditation in a traditional way where I'm sitting. But I do a practice known as mindful walking and, of course, being very aware of my breath. So anytime I really need to bring myself back to a grounded center I simply breathe in and then I breathe out and I do it sometimes even a few times on the subway while I'm walking wherever it just forces your mind and body to reconnect immediately because all you think and feel is your breath your focus is there and it's just an amazing practice because I've noticed for me when I do that it also it, it cools other things down. So if I really need to step away and like remind myself where I'm at, what I'm doing, what my intention is, with that breath in and breath out, it, it jumps back to the moment instead of getting ahead of myself or getting heated in certain emotions. And I love that practice. So definitely, if this intrigues you, go and check out any of the books from Thich Nhat Hanh, check out his, uh, his teachings and just uh, take a look at mindfulness and see if that resonates with you. I will add as well, another great way to help yourself in the process of aligning with your intention and keeping that practice consistent is thinking of daily examples. So for me, I can think of three friends top of mind that remind me of 
warmth and loving communication and the first one is Elia who again was on the last episode episode 199 he embodies this the way he listens when I'm sharing something with him the way he gives me feedback the way he talks with me and just simply the energy I feel on the phone with him over a FaceTime or just in person I can feel it he's very present and he's very at peace and in a kind and loving way, and it's amazing. And two other people, actually former co-workers of mine, um, I won't necessarily uh, name their names, but they have been just exceptional examples because I will always remember how, and I observed this, how people in the office felt about them and around them. And I even told them this too, that they are examples I think of when I think of people that are very warm and think of uh, people that are compassionate and at the end of the day just simply have a really loving heart and I just want to be more of that. I want to embody that more and they are some of my daily examples. So you don't have to think of people that you don't know or you think that are above you or in any way. Sometimes you just got to think of people that you see frequently because that, at least in my mind, helps the proximity of how close I am to them is a lot easier and it makes it seem more feasible. It's like, hey, if my own best friend or coworker or whoever, if they're being able to be this, you can too, right? Like there's, you can adopt some of these traits. And so that's another suggestion I have is to think of people that are semi-close to you or you see on a daily basis that, that would be able to help you tap into that reminder subconsciously. Okay, so the next part is thinking about your overarching vision. So, of course, it's important to think short-term, so month-to-month, day-to-day. I think you have to just look at the, st- the next step because sometimes getting ahead of yourself where you go from December 31st and thinking of the full new year of the following year, that can be overwhelming, right? It can also feel not practical. So, instead, I take the month-to-month approach and of course, day to day. And then I combine that with thinking just in general of my overarching vision and my direction. And I usually give myself like one to three years span. I did this when I was from 24 to 26. I'm not 26 yet, but again, it's meant to be just an overarching outline. And also it's not going to be down to the detail. It's going to be general things that you would like to see yourself be doing or, or, you know, having whatever that looks like, just a general vision and that can kind of guide you direction-wise. So I'll give you my example because again, um, when I learn, I like to kind of hear how people formulate the way they do something and then I can kind of insert my own, um, my own method to it. So when I think of age 25 to 28, I'm like, okay, where am I? My vision for that would be, okay, I'm based in New York, but I also have the ability to live in London and Paris, um, maybe Milan. I love these cities. I've, I've been to all three, um, you know, and, and I, just, I just think these cities have a lot of alignment with me. But I know that I, I probably don't prefer to live there for a long period of time. You know, I think maybe three to, I don't know, maybe six months at most uh, would be okay. But like, I, I love New York and what it has to offer. And so I don't, I guess, I guess the dream vision would be that um, I'm keeping my cost low enough here in New York where I get to 
keep my home and I don't know, maybe like sublease it to close friends or whatever, people that would need a New York apartment for a couple weeks, that kind of thing, um, as I am in London or Paris for two to three months, you know, with with it. So that is would be kind of like my vision of where from 25 to 28, that's where I'm physically at. With who? Okay. So this one, um, I definitely want to dive into a few details. I wrote down that this would be done um, ideally with a partner with similar interests and aligned values. So I want to clarify something. I don't need a partner to do these things with. In fact, I would say that I'm sometimes like overly independent in a certain way. But I think I'm at a chapter in life where I have done a lot of things independently that I guess you could say like having a partner to do some of these parts with would be really awesome and also not detrimental to my own growth because I have done a lot of the independent work, right? To be fair, I say that because I think sometimes it's usually the opposite where young women especially haven't had the time and or experience to really explore themselves as a person and really get to know themselves without being attached to, to someone else. And for for good or for bad, I mean, I think it's a mix of both in a way where, you know, I had that experience at a very young age. I moved 3,000 miles away from my hometown at 18 and I went to college you know, did the young adult life in Southern California, again, a completely different environment. So I learned a lot about myself. I grew a lot. I I adulted very fast. I also was in a relationship for three to four years with the same person from 18 to 22, which taught me a lot about how to be a better partner, better in, in, in just kind of like relationship vision. But because of that experience of having a partial breakup in between and then proceeding forward without this person, I've had that experience of, okay, going from being extremely attached to being more independent and then to being independent while also being in a relationship and then back out to being single and healthily independent, right? So, um, you know, from 22 to 25, which is where I'm at now, I've lived in Orange County, Los Angeles and New York. This is all in the U.S. For those of you who are outside, Orange County is uh, 45 minutes south of Los Angeles. And so for me, the independent part of my growth has, has been a lot already. And so exploring the world and, and doing certain things completely independent is not necessarily a need for growth anymore, if that makes sense. So I think that's why I write that ideally it's with someone a partner, perhaps, that have similar interests and values. And this also, in my opinion, creates a subconscious awareness of misalignment that I come across. So maybe, you know, uh, simple flings, um, the casual dating, things like that. I can I can see, for me, that's just all very closed off. And it has been pretty closed off I would say ever since I moved to New York in the sense where if I felt energetically that this was very short term I didn't put a lot of energy into it and also probably pushed it aside a lot faster than I did in my past because I knew subconsciously that 
my priority is around meaningful connection. And if I know and can sense that I don't have that with someone, especially like a male partner, then I wouldn't keep that around, you know? And again, you know, one might argue, well, that should always be the case. But to be fair, I think in your early to mid-20s, you have a lot of flexibility and you're young. And so I've had that experience where I was just kind of on the fly and, and was having fun in in different cities. And I think that is great and healthy because one kind of needs that out of their system at some point. And 20s is usually the best time to do that. But there also comes a point where you're like, okay, I have experienced that and I no longer really need that. And of all things, it's also just not in alignment with me anymore. So the last two parts for overarching vision for one to three years, last second to last question would be how, okay? Like how would I be doing all these things? How would I, uh, you know, do this with a partner? How would I, let's in my case, stay, have a base in New York, but also have the ability to live in Europe for two to three months at a time? Well, I think for me, that would come down to affordability. How do I make that affordable for myself? Okay, work backwards. Create a financial environment that allows me to have flexibility. What does that mean, Emily? Okay, well, I have to be practical then to keep some costs lower when possible. So some examples for me would be only purchasing simple statements and layers. Uh, So I'm talking about in clothing, right? Sometimes I would spend, if I spend money there, um, how can I be practical in my spending there? So um, that's that's a great place, you know, not being reckless with spending on on clothing that you are probably aware that you just might not wear that much or is not a lifelong piece. And I think another great example is rent. For me right now, I live in a studio apartment. I've lived by myself ever since graduating from college. But one temptation I've had is thinking about upgrading to a one bedroom. Now, I would love to because I do miss having a one bedroom and just having that little corner where it's like my sleeping zone, my, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I don't necessarily need it. It's just a desire. And so that is where I think about, okay, Emily, if your overarching vision over the next one to three years is to be able to do these things and um, especially like the physical living experience, like be all in all these places, how do you afford that, right? And the question is, I think it comes down to, do you value a, your one bedroom upgrade more or do you value being able to maintain a New York home base while, you know, living and subleasing some apartment in London for two months, right? And so it kind of, I think, comes down to that, to be honest. It's just what matters most in the long run. And then lastly, a great question to ask yourself is, okay, then what are my priorities over the next few years, right? So you notice in in all of this, I'm not grinding it down to the detail and I'm also not saying this is exactly how it's going to be, but I'm saying this is kind of the direction I would like to go in. This is how I foresee the path and so therefore I'm going to walk this way. I think that's the biggest thing is when you're unsure of what the hell you're doing, think about just just the basic overarching things because when I have ever felt a little stuck or even lost, that's the key is like you got to kind of figure out the direction. You don't need to know how long it's going to take. You don't need to know what's going to happen, what's not going to happen along the way. You just need to know, okay, am I going north, south, west, east, where? 
right? Like kind of in that sense. That has always been very helpful for me is knowing which way to turn and then just go and then adjust along the way. So lastly would be priorities. In my example, I would say my priorities would come down to expanding on this podcast because I just enjoy this so much. I love sharing whatever I learn in my personal experience with you guys. I love building connections through the guests I have on the show and of course learning from these guests and so forth. Um, Other priorities would be around relationships so that includes lifelong friendships because that's just so important to me but also a really strong romantic relationship in which I, to be fair you guys, I keep relatively private on my social media and my podcast um, but I certainly do and will discuss my romantic life to some degree when there's a lot of time like allotted so a lot of time um you know like just just not being in the present about it if that makes sense right so you know I wasn't talking about my former relationship in the present moment but nowadays I can talk about it because it's been years since um that relationship and especially I was talking about it more I want to say back in 2020 and 2021 because that was like one to two years out. And I remember there were even certain things I didn't want to share yet because it just felt like too close. But once it was like nine to 12 months or even a year and a half later, I was much more open to share what I really learned from it and anything that I found useful that could help people also navigating relationship hiccups or obstacles in their 20s. Okay, so lastly, I'm going to dive into a few book recommendations because I haven't shared some of this in a while. And I I know you guys also love to read. Um, you know, I'm a big reader myself. And so to, to dive into some books, I have mainly books that have impacted me over the past six months. And also just, um, and this, in, this is included in that umbrella, but one of them is a fiction book. And I will kind of dive into how it's impacted me. But I guess I'll start with the mindfulness books. Now, I have to say, I'm sorry if you're annoyed with me talking about mindfulness and just the way that has impacted my life and brought me more peace. But seriously, um, it has made such a tremendous effect that I would be doing a disservice if I didn't share. So the three books that really hit me well. Uh, I would say the first one from Thich Nhat Hanh is No Mud, No Lotus, The Art of Transforming Suffering. So this is a really great book if you have in recent times been just going through your own struggles and whatever it looks like. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's in just your personal growth, whatever that looks like. I think this book would be really helpful for that. Um, And I think the beauty and biggest takeaway I've had from this one, No no, No Mud, No Lotus, is that you cannot have happiness without suffering. Just like you cannot have the best of the best without the worst of the worst, right? It comes with the territory. And I think that's the beauty of it is when you actually accept that and when you go, huh, that's just part of nature, right? you, at least I don't want to say you, I should say for myself, it allowed me to to not identify with any kind of struggles or suffering per se as much as he uses. He uses the word suffering. And so um, 
I think the biggest one too is that I didn't get overwhelmed by these feelings, but I rather allowed myself to just feel it, accept it, and go through it, which in a way has allowed me to feel better and more present in the process, right? I think um, the reason why I mentioned that is because sometimes we opt for a distraction. We opt for a method that doesn't make us feel the tough feelings. And the funny part with that from my life experience and from what I've read in in different books rather, um, is that if we avoid something, avoid doing it, procrastinate, whatever, in, in any parts, it just ends up being worse later on. Meaning that um, if you avoid certain feelings, you know, and, and you try to kind of cheat your way out in a way, like take the shortcut, you will feel the burden of that later. So my biggest thing has always been just just do the work now. It'll be a, at the very least less difficult now than it will be later. And I take that especially in finance, you know, don't spend uh, the money that you don't have right now because you will suffer later. <laughs> Another great book that really opened my heart and enabled me to tap into understanding one another more and also my compassion for people is the book True Love, A Practice for Awakening the Heart by Titnyat Han. It's very small. By the way, all of his books are very easy to put in your purse. So I carry these books with me on the subway whenever I'm just like on the go. Even like at dinner, I will have a tiny book because his books are just so perfect for a purse. Um, I like to read it whenever I have downtime because it's not one of those books that you have to like sit and like you know heavily read and dedicate time to but it's great to pick up when you have 10 15 20 minutes and you'll get through it very fast so I really loved this book it's it's simple it's direct and I have to say it awakened my heart and truly taught me what true love is and I, I already elaborated about it earlier in a way but um if you think you understand what true love is consider and if you don't I think both ways but if you think you do or you don't regardless consider reading this book true love a practice for awakening the heart I can say for me I have become a much better partner a much better communicator and ultimately I would say a much better human being as a whole and um, one thing I've noticed about myself is that I simply smile at strangers 10 times more nowadays um and I feel really great about it and I love that the other day on the subway I was smiling at this lady she had a mask on and um you know I just smiled at her because I was I was standing I think I was on the way to skating I, I coach figure skating and you know she did a double take she was like wait you're smiling at me and then she smiled back and it was just such a warm encounter just through a smile and yes she had her mask on and but it was so cute seeing her cheekbones like go up through her mask you know so I really loved that moment and it was a really great present reminder for me on on how the, the practice of mindfulness has uh, really enhanced my life. But last one on the mindfulness thing, um, another Thich Nhat Hanh book, it's Anger, Wisdom for Cooling the Flames. Uh, I don't really know what to say um, about this book except that like if you maybe this might not be the best place to start I think 
the other two are probably easier. Those are those are ones that I've started with. But anger was one that really reiterated a lot of his lessons and his teachings. But also, I think, tapped into a bit more of, seriously, like, yeah, what to do when you're feeling those heated emotions. And I think, you know, again, we have to acknowledge we feel those because we are human, right? But how do you handle in the moment? How do you actually step away and then come back to a conversation. How do you approach a conversation from a peaceful place when you're feeling angry, right? All these things. So I learned a lot from that book, but those three have been very tremendous and profound on my personal growth. And if you need a little nudge towards just being a better human being, I would recommend mindfulness and all the teachings around it. So Last book, it's the fourth one, and it is a fiction book, but this is especially for my New Yorkers out there. I know I have a cute New York community here, and I love you guys. And by the way, tangent, but um, you know, if you ever run into me on the subway or wherever, and even if I look like I have a resting bitch face, please feel free to say hi to me. This happened a few weeks ago. You know, somebody uh, saw me, but maybe I didn't look like, as warm, and they told me, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I was probably in a rush, you know, but. Um, yeah, please feel free to approach me. I do love chatting with you guys and I do intend to have more like community connections this year and whether that's like cozy dinners or hosting one at my apartment or um, in the springtime hanging out at the park, things like that. I definitely will be doing that here in New York City. So if you are based in the New York area, surrounding area, wherever, um, please follow the Instagram at what fulfills you because I do post on the Instagram story there about setting up um, connections and dinners and things like that so check it out there but last thing this novel is called New York by Edward Rutherford I think that's how you say it it's just New York the novel it, it's, it's fiction but the history behind the entire story so everything throughout the actual book is true except for the characters and like you know, the, the small things that happen, okay? So the, the, the actual storyline is fiction, but everything else is historical and is actual history and true. So um, I used to actually not care much about, <laughs> this sounds really shitty to say, uh, maybe reading history books or maybe understanding better like where things come from or why things happen the way they did or why things are the way they are now. And my goodness, when especially someone gave me this book um I it, it just fascinated me it made me so much more curious about New York as I walk through the streets here in financial district or anywhere in Manhattan I can just imagine what it used to be a hundred years ago or you know 200 years ago it's just crazy because of this book and um you know I like reading fiction especially because I read a lot of nonfiction already, so a lot of personal growth, spiritual books, things like that. But with fiction that really touches on an interesting topic or historical period, it makes my mind go into another world. And that also helps me in different ways too. So if you are like that as well, and you do enjoy learning about history in a really fun, engaging way, or you are also just curious about New York history and you do enjoy reading fiction, definitely pick up this book. It's called New York, the Novel by Edward Rutherford. That is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this and found it helpful and perhaps 
a great way to kick off your new year. And if you have any similar approaches that you are taking on for 2023, please be sure to let me know, comment on the latest post, DM me on Instagram at what fulfills you. And again, I'm so grateful to have this community for you to be tuning in However frequent you are, it really means the world. So thank you as always. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and I will chat with you all in the next episode.